This is Apathy Hour. Am I the a-hole for possibly costing my son his best friend? My son, 10, has been playing Fortnite with his best friend for a couple years. For about a year and a half of that time, it was just the two of them playing and in the last six months, more and more of their classmates have started to join in. My kids are with me every other week and on the weeks they are here, I spend a good amount of time with them, chilling, doing homework, movies, etc. I live with my girlfriend and her three kids, so we spend a lot of time in the boys' very large bedroom. About three months ago, I started noticing my son being upset and found out that he was being kicked from the group and at first I was concerned maybe he was being a dickhead or whatever. About two months back I was in their room and my son was playing with his friends and I heard him kind of begging and saying don't kick me and then he said I don't have V-Bucks to get you that skin and then he got kicked. I asked him what was going on and he downplayed it and I let it go. Since that point, I've seen the same thing happen a few more times and I finally got him to open up to me and it turns out he has been being bullied by his friend for a long time into giving slash gifting skins, emotes, and other items. I explained to him that I got the V-Bucks for him to get stuff for himself and that I can't afford to be getting his friend's stuff. He said that he understood and said he would stop. It turns out that his friend has been doing this to all of his friends and he opened up to me that he had given this kid 20 plus items ranging from 1200 to 2000 V-Bucks, about 12 to $20 cash each. So I've spent anywhere from 250 to $400 on this kid that I know of. I had written out a long text to the kid's mom a couple weeks back, and for some reason, I decided not to send it. Well, Tuesday, yep, you guessed it, I was in the kid's bedroom and I heard, no, Billy, I don't have enough V-Bucks to get you that skin. But then I heard, you know what, Billy, I've given you more than 20 things and you've given me one. He was, of course, kicked from the group. That was the last straw for me and I guess for my son. It turns out that the other kids were giving this kid whatever he wanted and that was why my son often was the one who would get kicked. I told him I was going to be sending his friend's mom a text explaining everything and I also had some text messages with Billy saying if you buy me this skin I will refriend you. He begged me not to send it but I obviously thought it was important enough that the mom needed to know what her kid was doing. She replied back in a very understanding way, apologizing to my son and to me, and said she would be talking to her son yesterday after school. So my son didn't want to go to school today because he is worried about how things will be. So am I the a-hole? Or did I do the right thing? Hard to ruin a five-year best friend relationship, and yes, I see that this kid wasn't really being a best friend. Oddly, I blame COVID for bringing this on. For six months, the only place they saw each other was online. And yes, the mother has offered to reimburse us for the V-Bucks.
No, you're not the a-hole. Your son shouldn't feel like he needs to pay in order to play with his friends. There's plenty of friends that won't require that. Someone else even stated, Real best friends don't beg their friends to get something for them. Off my chest. Candy corn tastes like shit. Everything's bad about it. The texture, the blank taste, the color. Can't argue with that. Dating over 30. How to take a break when all you want is to settle down. I apologize in advance for sounding mopey as hell. Have you ever just wanted to delete all the apps and not think about it anymore? I just had a guy who I was seeing for almost two months ended with me. He was kind about it, told me he knew I wanted a relationship, but didn't see it headed there for us. I was pretty gutted because I liked him a lot. At this point, the idea of starting yet another talking phase with someone makes me want to rip my hair out. To go through the bullshit of getting to know you with dozens of other guys, talk to someone for a few weeks, date someone for a month, and then have it end? I don't know if I can do it. But I'm really ready to just find my person and settle down. I look at all my matches, all my dead conversations on the apps, and just get depressed. I don't even want to say the number of dead conversations I have. I want to clean slate it, delete for a few weeks, and then start over again. But I've heard shadow banning is a thing for people who do that, and I surely don't want that either. Should I delete some of my matches and snooze? Should I delete the apps anyways? Am I being overly dramatic? Just having been online dating for over a year, getting so close to what I thought was a relationship only to have it tugged from under me is really getting me bummed. I hear you. It's not easy. And online dating can genuinely suck. I wouldn't worry about being shadow banned. Take some time for you. Take a break from dating. Break from the apps. And find your inner happiness and peace. In due time, when you feel ready to come back to the dating scene, you can approach it with a fresher perspective, a healthier you, and see things anew. Someone else even stated, take a break. Even if it's a one or two week break, you'd be amazed how refreshing it is not to feel like you need to log into an app or swipe or think about a conversation starter. Live your life. Walk to get a slice of cake somewhere or an ice cream cone. Take a bike ride. Go for a run. Sit in the sun. Try a new cocktail. Treat yourself. Sorry this is cheesy. Be your own date for a little bit. I took lots of breaks. Usually after something I thought was going somewhere ended up going nowhere. I don't know that I ever deleted my profile, but I did turn them off slash snooze slash hid them. I also went through the list of matches with dead conversations and just unmatched or deleted those. If there was someone I really just didn't want to lose, even if I knew the convo would never pick up, I'd leave that one and revisit later. After a couple of weeks, see if you want to start swiping again. If you get frustrated five swipes in, go back to your break. It may feel like you're losing time, but trying to date when you're not into it or being overwhelmed is more of a waste of time than taking a breather.
Well said. And finally, you should know. You should know octopuses, octopi, and octopodes are all acceptable pluralizations of octopus. The only thing unacceptable is feeling the need to correct someone for using one of them. Why you should know? When you correct people for using octopuses, you not only look like a pedant, but the worst kind of pedant, a wrong pedant. While octopi is also acceptable as its plural form, octopuses, needs no correction. Hell, even octopodes is fine and arguably more correct than octopi because of the word's Greek origin. Though I'd like to deep dive into the word pedant a little more, which is defined as a person who is excessively concerned with minor details and rules or with displaying academic learning, I'll focus on the word at hand, which is octopi. Usually at this point, I'd like to do some research and do a deep dive. Graciously, OP put a link, so we'll work with what we have. The many plurals of octopus. Which is correct? We'll get into it. The three main plurals for octopus come from the different ways the English language adopts plurals. Octopi is the oldest plural of octopus, coming from the belief that Latin origins should have Latin endings. Octopuses is the next plural, which gives the word an English ending to match its adoption as an English word. Lastly, octopodes stems from the belief that because octopus is originally Greek, it should have a Greek ending. There are many ways that English manages to trip up its speakers, both native and non-native. One of the most effective of these is a method of pluralization that generally follows a set of rules, but occasionally behaves unpredictably. Our language takes words from a wide variety of sources. Generally, when a noun enters into English, it is pluralized as an English word rather than in its native form. However, sometimes words will come into English and keep an ending from their original language, particularly if that original language is Latin. Thus, the plural of bacterium is bacteria rather than bacteriums. And just to keep people on their toes, certain words of Latin extraction may be pluralized with either English or Latin endings. Multiple stadium may be either stadia or stadiums. Rule of thumb, if English gets the opportunity to trip you up, it will. The current champion in the battle of troublesome pluralization is octopus, which, depending on which dictionary is consulted, may be written in three different ways, octopi, octopuses, and octopodes. Such a range of options might prompt even the most patient learner of the language to say, what the hell? Come on, English, get your act together. This state of affairs is not so much the fault of the English language as it is of the people who speak it, who have been debating the proper way to pluralize octopus for a very long time. An article from over 140 years ago, Octopus Philogy, offers three possibilities 
admittedly sneering at two of them. There's a lot of words and stuff, but I'm not going to read it as long. Given that most people don't often encounter multiple specimens of this genus of cephalopod mollusk, it is unlikely that you will ever find yourself in sudden need of deciding which plural form is correct. But it is always better to be prepared with your irregular faux classical plurals, good life advice in general. So here is a brief explanation of your choices. Latin endings for Latin words. Octopi appears to be the oldest of the three main plurals, dating back to the early 19th century. The dash I ending comes from the belief that words of Latin origin should have Latin ending in English. English endings for English words. Octopuses, which may rarely also be found rendered as octopuses, dates from slightly later in the 19th century and is based not so much on a belief as it is on the habit of giving English words English endings. While it may sound particular to some, there is nothing incorrect about this formation. When octopus is used in a figurative sense, something that resembles an octopus, especially in having many centrally directed branches, this seems to be the preferred plural. For example, the Standard Oil Company says the Louisville Courier Journal is one of the great octopuses of time, absorbing everything that comes within its reach and quite killing off everything in its own line of business in the way of competition. Greek endings for Greek words. The rarest of the three, octopodes, came into possession of its ending from the belief some people had that this is a Greek word and should have a Greek ending, and also from the belief that there is no word which cannot be improved by making it less comprehensible. For example, it appears that the keeper, whilst engaged in cleaning out the tank occupied by the octopodes, was suddenly seized by the leg, fortunately he had sea boots on, by the largest of the octopodes, which fastened four of its tentacles round the leg of the boot, and with the other four held firmly onto the rocks, forming the back of the tank. All three of these have been criticized in the past, some more than others. If you're interested in choosing the word, that is most likely to be considered correct and understandable by your audience, you would do well to opt for either octopuses or octopi. Octopodes, it should be noted, takes a slightly different pronunciation than the other two words, placing the emphasis on the second syllable rather than the first. It most or less rhymes appropriately enough with don't say that please. <laughs>